Hi, I'm Andrea Nakayama, host and producer of the 15-Minute Matrix podcast, and I'm here with some Happy New Year wishes and an update from us here at the podcast. I'll start with the update. We at the 15-Minute Matrix have decided to retire the podcast after this month's episodes. It's been a brilliant run thanks to your support, our amazing guests, and the library of topics that we've explored over the last four and a half years. That content will remain here for you to find at 15minutematrix.com. By the time I started the podcast in 2018 with a small subset of our team at Functional Nutrition Alliance and my son, Gilbert, who was our first sound editor and sound producer, I'd been wanting to make the podcast for years. But it was never the right time to start because there's always so much to do in a fast-growing business. I knew there was value in flipping the matrix and not just mapping a person, but instead mapping a topic. And we've covered many topics from methylation to mitochondria to mindset, from food insecurity to fiber to today's special replay, forgiveness. Honestly, I could keep going. There's so much more that I could explore to help us all remember the core truth and mantra of this podcast. Everything is connected. We are all unique and all things matter. And yet the time has come. Again, I want to thank you for your support and love of the podcast. We love it too. And all of us here at the Functional Nutrition Alliance wish you a very, very happy new year. Now, on to the show. Hi, this is Fred Luskin, and today we'll be mapping forgiveness on the 15-minute matrix. Welcome to the 15-Minute Matrix. I'm Andrea Nakayama, functional medicine nutritionist and your host. This is the podcast that brings you bite-sized insights and lessons on the clinical relevance of the functional nutrition matrix, the most important tool in functional medicine and functional nutrition. The matrix is so important not only because it invites us to stop and assess, but also because it reminds us of three very important factors in our care, our recommendations, and our outcomes. Everything is connected, we are all unique, and all things matter. Be sure to head over to this episode's show notes at 15minutematrix.com if you'd like to see today's topic mapped on a downloadable matrix to remind you of these critical aspects of care. Today on the 15-Minute Matrix, I'll be speaking with Dr. Fred Luskin. Dr. Luskin continues to serve as director of the Stanford Forgiveness Projects, an ongoing series of workshops and research projects that investigate the effectiveness of his forgiveness methods on a variety of populations. The Forgiveness Project has successfully explored forgiveness therapy with people who suffered from the violence of Northern Ireland, Sierra Leone, as well as the attacks on the World Trade Center on 9-11. In addition, his work has been successfully applied and researched in corporate, medical, legal, and religious settings. He currently serves as a senior consultant in health promotion at Stanford University and is a professor at the Institute of Transpersonal Psychology. 
He presents lectures, workshops, seminars, and trainings on the importance, health benefits, and training of forgiveness, stress management, and emotional competence throughout the United States. He offers presentations and classes that range from one hour to ongoing weekly trainings. Fred, welcome to the 15-Minute Matrix. Oh, hi. How are you? I'm good, and I'm excited to speak with you. And this topic is just so fascinating. And you've done a ton of research, Fred, into forgiveness. I'm wondering if you can just start us off with how you now, after all this research, define forgiveness. Making peace with your life. That's really simple. <laughs> well, I've been I've been doing this for a long time, and I started with more complexity, and I started with more of a need to be seen as an expert. And now, after all these years, it's become clearer to me that we're all fighting something, and we're all arguing with some aspect of our life or life itself that we didn't like, and forgiveness is resolving those arguments. I love the simplicity of that. When we do allow ourselves the ability to make that peace with our lives, where does that live in the body? I don't know how to define that. I mean, it's us. It's whatever the whole is of us and of the experiencing organism and of whatever connection there is to its higher power and the manifestation of such in the physical form. I would assume that forgiveness or not forgiveness is a full organism experience. Yeah, I like to call it a full body systems experience, right? Yeah. And there's choice there and there's volition and there's appraisal of how one holds life. And there's all sorts of aspects that relate to us being dynamic, creative organisms that are processing our world. Yeah, that really resonates. You know, my boyfriend always talks about how there's three types of forgiveness. You have to forgive yourself. You have to allow others to forgive you and you have to forgive others. Do you have any thoughts about when we talk about forgiveness, what we're talking about in relation to, is it all of those things? Do they go together? Do they flow together? We have to forgive ourselves. We have to allow others to forgive us. That then enables us to do the forgiving. How does that all work? I mean, I don't think we have to do anything. <laughs> True. There's no peace in that. Yeah. I mean, you said you're a nutritionist, so you know how poorly people eat and nourish themselves. So we obviously have a lot of freedom to make really stupid choices. Forgiveness is an experience. So it's like an inner releasing of something that we created. So it's like you make a mess and then you clean it up. So cleaning up the mess is forgiveness. So you can clean up a mess towards another person. You can clean up a mess towards yourself. You can clean up a mess towards like the universe or God or whatever it is. Those are probably different than allowing somebody else to clean up their mess towards you. 
or, you know, facilitating like your invitation to them. The one thing I will say, two areas where I don't believe what I think the common wisdom is. One is, I don't think you need to learn to forgive yourself before you can forgive other people. I don't buy that at all. I know a lot of people who are very harsh on themselves and very generous spirit to others. And I know plenty of people who are really like, They let themselves off the hook for everything. But other people, they are vigilant and harsh. So I I don't know that there's a simple reciprocity to that. And the second is I think one of the human race's biggest issues is that we're too self-forgiving. I think that human beings are so easy to excuse their terrible behaviors And I'm going to say one of the greatest human tragedies is how much extra self-forgiveness there is and what harm that does to this world. Yeah, I was going to ask you about history and forgiveness, because today we are, of course, recognizing a lot of atrocities that have been done to people of different races and ethnicities and gender identities, and how do we move through those traumas on both sides of the equation? Where does forgiveness sit in these social impacts that we've experienced? I mean, there's so much in that question, because first of all, we're not learning anything new about human behavior at all. I'm Jewish, so, you know, we were slaves in Egypt, like, 3,000 years ago. So there's nothing new. And people have held slaves forever. They've mistreated people forever. They've been aggressive forever. They have this tribal need to find people who they think are like them and to exclude other people. So there's no new there. Secondly, since it's such a universal experience, you want to be careful about how much it is you think you're seeing. I mean, it's like we can look at the weaknesses of this species and their legion. So that has to be a superordinate perspective that we're a flawed species with tremendous selfishness and greed that causes us to pretty regularly hurt people. So if you hold that as one of the fundamental human truths, then you will get less aroused each time that truth becomes apparent to you. That's a superordinate kind of awareness. The second is, like, what can we do about this? That requires certain commitments inside oneself to try not to duplicate those kind of mistreatments and misbehaviors, but simply noticing that human beings misbehave is no great feat, you know, so to become aware of another one is not such a great insight. Where that becomes really challenging is I would lead these classes and people would be all bent out of shape for all the ways that human beings did or didn't do what they were supposed to. And I would remind them, well, you know, you're sitting in here in a room at Stanford University with three square meals and a home and a roof and an education. 
And you don't care that there's a billion people going to bed without hunger. So just be cautious about the amount of judgment you put out there about other people's lack of decency or whatever. So there's all these superordinate things that, that you need to consider before you then can tackle some of the actual immediate harms that we might have experienced. Yeah, I love how you're talking about this. You know, there's the privilege in the judgment and we're talking about it on a human scale. When we take it to the personal scale and we look at the correlations that we're now finding between adverse childhood experiences and chronic health challenges, how do we help the individual to find forgiveness that can then aid their healing? Or do we not? Is that not our role or our job? I mean, two things. One, you can give people caution to be careful about how much they talk about and acknowledge what happened to them in the past. That You want to be very careful not to re-traumatize yourself or not to imagine that your life is that different than so much of the suffering that is a cause that has been on this planet? So there's a caution around that. Like to identify oneself as a victim is a very delicate proposition. And to focus on one's wounding rather than one's strength is also a delicate proposition. But separate from that, whatever it is that we blame, for the fact that we don't have the life that we think we should have, whatever we give that kind of power to diminishes us. So forgiveness is that I give myself permission to free myself from that diminished stance. It never doesn't acknowledge that bad things happen, that other human beings do terrible things and we make awful mistakes. Those are simple human truths, but it severs that cord between what happened and using that as a full reason why our life now is not at peace. So you can say, yeah, you know, some people who had difficult childhood experiences end up with health issues, but it's not just the difficult childhood experiences, it's the habits that people created around those experiences, which don't necessarily get blamed on the experience, but are an adaptation that one did, you know, doing the best that they can, but those habits themselves become an ongoing problem. So you don't want to overemphasize the childhood experiences over the fact that you've adapted to that with certain habits, which only you can change. So in my like kind of humble thinking, I would tell people, you know, hey, you may have had the world's shittiest parents, and maybe at the age of 18, they're responsible for 70% of your distress. But by 35, they're responsible for maybe 10% of your distress because you've lived and you're responsible for the time that you lived. And that makes me uncomfortable with often some of the overemphasis on linking past experiences and having people like emphasize what unfortunately 
are all too common. Yeah, it's an interesting place for us to reframe the story. And I'm thinking about when you earlier said that we are too self-forgiving. And I'm wondering how or if you can speak into how that may have changed over time. I mean, I think we're in a age of expectation and perfectionism. Do we think about forgiveness differently than we have historically? I don't think people think about forgiveness that much. It is a challenge to the ego's delight in taking offense. And it is a challenge to the ego's delight in giving offense. Because forgiveness kind of nudges the ego off of center stage and says, you're a human being who has suffered and has caused suffering yourself. And the more you are like reacting to that all the time, the less effective a human being you're going to be because you're not so much in the present. It's like Desmond Tutu's without forgiveness, there is no future. We're just living out past stories. And that's what you want to cut so that you're able to start seeing your actual current life. So again, I've had people who complain and complain and complain and complain and complain about what happened to them. And then I will ask them, like, did you wake up in a bed today? You know, did you have running water? Was there food in your refrigerator? Does anybody love you? Why aren't you talking about that? They're equally true pulls on your present consciousness. And so it's that kind of asphyxiating story that I'm a victim that has to be rescued from my own life. I just don't find that a very helpful long-term strategy. It's a very useful short-term strategy to help us adapt to calamity and change. Yeah, you're making me think about Actually, I think it was the day after my husband passed away, and this is 20 years ago now. And I remember feeling the peace with it because he had been sick with a brain tumor. And a friend who's a psychologist said to me, how do you feel? And I said, you know, this is the day after. And I said, I feel I feel okay. And she said there was some kind of research that had stated that people who still had turmoil with somebody they lost had a harder time grieving than those who had no turmoil or what I'm thinking of now as forgiveness. Like when the forgiveness is in the relationship and even for dying, that there's a smoother and more accepting path of grieving. No question. And I, I have had a similar experience to you. I had a wife die about 11 years ago. And I mean, as awful as it was, we made peace with each other through the whole process. There was nothing left unsaid whatsoever. And so there was a clean experience to it. We finished whatever it is we had to do together. And it sucked that we didn't get more time, but that was the only piece that sucked. Yeah, really interesting connection there between grief and what we hold on to or grasp for and forgiveness. You know, you also have to look at how hard it is for people to tell the truth in their life. So 
when you're with somebody and they're dying and you don't have any patterning of telling the truth, it's very hard to start under such difficult circumstances. If there's a lot of bitterness and secrets, then that's hard to start. So the way I see it, and probably the way you see your medicine, is forgiveness is a life pattern. You know, it's one of the better habits that you have. So you forgive stuff. You try not to accumulate grudges and you try to allow life to be what it is. That's the essence of forgiveness. Yeah. I'm wondering as a final question, Fred, I mean, you've done so much with this topic. Is there something along the way that really stuck out to you or resonated in the research or the teaching or the findings of forgiveness that resonates every day in some way in your life? I mean, you're sort of speaking to it, but I wonder if there's one thing or a couple of things that come to mind. It's a teachable skill. That's the most important piece. And that it's something like anything else that the more you practice, the better you get at it. And like everything else, we become what we practice. There's no weird formula. You know, what you do every day becomes more likely you'll do the next day. And forgiveness is like that. Yeah, beautiful. I love it. Thank you so much for sharing your wisdom with us today. Thank you. The 15-Minute Matrix is hosted and produced by me, Andrea Nakayama, and the Functional Nutrition Alliance. The podcast is edited and mixed by Brian Paik of Pacific Audio, and special thanks to Natalie Merrill, Alia Hale, Pamela Geismar, and Rowan Bradley for their support in making the 15-Minute Matrix possible. You can find episodes on all kinds of topics with more incredible guests at our podcast website, 15minutematrix.com, or wherever you listen to podcasts. If you'd like to see the completed functional nutrition matrix that accompanies today's or any episode, be sure to head over to the podcast website. Again, that's 15minutematrix.com. We love when you share our episodes with your friends and colleagues, leave a review and rate the show. That helps us to grow our collective message that functional nutrition is the future of healthcare. Also, be sure to follow us on Instagram at Functional Nutrition Alliance, and you can follow me at Andrea Nakayama. And if you or someone you know is interested in becoming a functional nutrition counselor, head over to fxnutrition.com to learn more about our Full Body Systems program. Full Body Systems is our 10-month immersion course where you'll learn the systems-based approach to addressing the root causes of your clients' issues through client education, diet, and lifestyle modification. Again, you can always learn more at fxnutrition.com.